Man, what a time we had last Sunday. Uh, the Holy Spirit is just uh, continuing to bless. I've even heard some more testimonies of what God has done and what God is doing. And, and we are more than conquerors. We are overcomers. There's nothing that God cannot perfect in our life. The Bible says God will perfect everything that concerns us. Uh, let me just uh, encourage you to uh, uh, continue to pray. We are definitely entering into a time right now in a season in the next uh, couple of months, in the next, I don't know, eight, nine months as we transition into an election season next year and um, uh, things that are unfolding uh, biblically and prophetically. Just continue to draw nigh onto God. He'll continue to speak to you and through you. You know, I'm always reminded of the things that Christ experienced and the things that he went through and how he handled it and how he tells us to handle it. You know, there's coming a time, I believe, in the hour that we're living in that there's going to be moments when we don't even know how to respond or know what to say. But Jesus said, you know, sometimes when you face your accusers or an adversary, don't even think about what you're going to say because I'm going to say something through you. I'm going to speak my word through you. So know that God's in you. He's working on your behalf, and he will give you the words to speak, the wisdom to say. Because if there was a time that people would ever try to challenge our faith, I think it would be the hour that we're living in, number one. Number two, the Bible says that we need to have a reasonable defense to why we believe. Last week, we heard a great, great testimony of what God did in Mike's life. I have my own personal testimony, and you have a testimony of what God has done for you. So if you don't know the Bible from Job to Malachi or... uh, Genesis to Revelation, uh, you have a testimony. You know what God has done in you and for you. Cling to the testimony that God has given you. And trust in the Lord. I think about, uh, uh, we spoke about the fire of God and what the fire of God really represented. It represents God's holiness, man. And so when, you, when God touches you with his fire or you, or you touch God and you experience his fire, you're basically experiencing his holiness. And let me just tell you, once you have a taste, I mean, there's nothing like it. People will say, well, you know, once you experience the anointing of God, um, you, you know, there, there's nothing like it. No, there's nothing like experiencing God's holiness in your life. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we don't sin or we don't go through things we do. But man, when God comes in and tells you thy sin has been forgiven and he cleanses you and touches you with his holiness and his fire. Oh man, it's like everything else just uh, dissolves around you. You're in the presence of God and uh, man, you, you know he's your father and you are his child. Amen. So be encouraged this morning. Be watchful. And your spirit, be watchful all around because the enemy, he, the Bible says when he comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. So, you know, as the children of God know this, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to get in trepidation over, nothing to stress about, nothing to worry about because God is on our side. You know, every time that I, you know, the, the years that I've 60 now, you already know that. And, um, and, uh, you know, serving the Lord for 38 years, something like that. And um, uh, every time that I've come up against a hard spot in my life, and, uh, and there's been a few, and like you, I always just kind of break it down to the brass tacks of things. 
And I, I, I work and I ask this question from front to the back. What is the worst that can happen? Right? So we, we get all worried about the, 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 the day-to-day, the menial things. And wait a minute, just wipe all of, of it out. What was I'm worrying about? What am I afraid is going to happen? Okay, so what if it happens? What's the worst that can result from it? Listen. You are wrapped in the hand of God. Your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. You are a child of God. There's nothing the enemy can do in your life to stop God's love and grace from continuing to work in your heart. So be encouraged. Um, Don't worry about what people will think. Don't worry about what people might say just Thank God that you're his child and you are on the Lord's side. Amen. So be in prayer. A lot of things happening this month, probably probably going into next month. You're going to see and hear some things, uh, events and world things going around the world. And I, I, you know, just watch the news, I could tell you, but uh, just watch the news. Amen. All right. Go to the book of Genesis. <clears throat> Chapter 37. I'm going to talk about Joseph for just a moment this morning. Um, uh, nothing like a study in the life of Joseph. And if you've ever studied the life of Joseph, I mean, there's just so much richness in there and so much encouragement in the life of Joseph. But I kind of want to connect it to us today and where we're at as a church and as a people, if the Lord will allow me to do so. Verse chapter 37, and let's look at uh, verse 1. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan, the promised land. And there was a, there are, and these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being 17 years old. So he's a young man and he was feeding the flock with his brethren and the lad was with the son of Bilal and was with the son of Zilpha, the father's, his father's wife. And Joseph brought on to his father their evil report. So I guess his brothers were not behaving out in the field. So Joseph comes back and tells his daddy what's going on. And now Israel, Israel is um, uh, Jacob. So you know the story of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? So Jacob was the deceiver. He stole the birthright from Esau, right? And so his name matched uh, his character, deceiver. And then he had an encounter with God. Remember, he wrestled with God all night, and he told God, I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. And so God blessed him, put a mark in his walk, put a, a, a limp in his hip, and he also changed his name to Israel, Prince of God. So that's who he's talking about here, Joseph's daddy. He is now Israel, loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age. And he made of him a coat of many colors. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And then Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brothers, 
and they hated him even more for the dream. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word today. I pray, Father God, that something that you might speak through me in this time we have together would just touch people's hearts, encourage them, build their faith, and give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and eyes of understanding as we move forward in your plan and your purpose. Amen. And amen. Now, Joseph, as we read, he was the son of uh, <clears throat> Jacob, Israel. He was the son of his old age, and he was also the son of his lover, Rachel. And his daddy loved uh, him more than all of the brothers. So uh, all of his brothers hated him, and, uh, and God favored him. His daddy favored him, and he was hated for it. So as a believer, let me just say this. Whether you realize it or not, in a fallen, sin-sick, corrupted world, you are surrounded by people that know that you're the Father's favorite, and he has put upon you his coat of favor and the coat of many colors. And God has placed in your heart a dream. And the dream that's in your heart, a lot of times we talk about the dreams and the visions of what we can accomplish and do in this life. And that's certainly okay. And God will impart to you a desire, a gift, a calling, things that you can accomplish in this life. But I'm talking about a dream that goes far above and beyond what we could ever do experience in this life. I'm talking about the blessed hope. The dream that really rests within the heart of the father's children and the heart of his favorite is the blessed hope. The blessed hope is this, that God sent his son to pay the price for our sins, shed his innocent blood, hung upon a cross. They put him in a grave. He raised on the third day, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And now as we put our hope and trust in him and accept the propitiation for our sins, in other words, he replaced he paid our debt that we owed because we owed a debt that we could not pay. So Jesus paid the debt. What was the debt for? The debt was to be able to bring us back into a relationship with a holy God. A God that is separate, other, none like him. He is God and God alone. So with that sin in our life, with that fallen nature in our life, we were separated and God said, this isn't the way I planned it. I'm going to fix this from the foundation of the world. He sent his son glory to God and his son took our place and shed his innocent blood. And now as we put our trust and hope in him and we accept the sacrifice and the price that he paid, the Bible says that our names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. We have been adopted into the kingdom of God. We have switched allegiance we're no longer a slave to Satan. We're no longer a slave to sin. Now we are bond servants serving the risen Savior. Listen, you're going to serve somebody. Amen. I'm a slave for Jesus. And listen, you much rather be a slave for God than a slave to sin or a slave to the devil, right? You're going to serve somebody. And I want to do my master's will, what he says I want to do. I serve him, but I don't do it under the, uh, a, a taskmaster's 
mindset. I do it freely because I know that he, he loves me and his will is revealed in my life out of his love for me. Not his disdain, not his authoritarian appetite. No, he's my father. I'm his child. I have now become a bondservant. I left the slavery of sin. I left the command and the control and the slavery of Satan translated from death to light, darkness to light. Now I'm a child of light living for God. And he has placed a dream in my heart and a hope in my heart. Hallelujah. Joseph, he gave him a dream that one day all of his brothers, including his, his daddy, would come and bow down to him. They didn't like that dream. Listen, one day the Bible says that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that your Savior... My Savior, our Father, our God, our Brother, our Lord, our Master, one day, the one who you are, who is in you, right? Jesus lives in us. One day, the world, the haters of God, like the haters of Joseph, one day, they're all going to have to bow to the Jesus that lives in you. Don't expect to be loved for it, right? Jesus lives in you. And one day every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So why is he hated in Christianity today? Why is he hated and why is he trying to be taken out of the country and out of your home, out of your schools and out of your hearts? Why is he hated? Because he is Lord. Why are you disliked for your position in Christianity? Because Christ lives on the inside of you and one day they'll have to bow to him and but you know you've embraced the dream you've embraced the hope you believe you you accepted you understand that it's not about this life it's about the life to come and you would be hated for it you're among good company amen so no it it's don't take stuff personal so much in this life right because it's really not about you the battle's between, and it, it's really not a battle, but the battle is good and evil because God, Satan is not God's equal. It's not like God's up there with a sword and Satan's got a sword and God's got a sword or they're MMA fighting in the ring. Let's get, let's go. You know, it's not even like that. <laughs> Satan's already defeated. He had no chance before he ever got in the ring. He's a defeated foe. So God's not, God, he doesn't, he's not sitting up there trying to strategize how he's going to defeat his enemy. He's already taken care of it, right? And the devil knows it. He knows he's defeated. And us as believers, we are manifesting God's intent and mastery and conquering of the devil who operates in this world and in its system and lives and, and moves through the children of wrath, right? Isn't that what the Bible says? You see this? Something's, something bigger's going on here. I know we get just caught up in the micro every day of life, 
But as a believer, we got to see that we got to continue to see the bigger picture. We got to see the bigger intent of God for us, and we got to see have a greater understanding of why Christ was hated, and if they hated him, they may hate you. Don't take it personal. This has been going on for a long time. Why do they hate you? Because they know eventually they got to bow down to the God that lives on the inside. Oh, hallelujah. It may not look like it today. It may not feel like it today. You may feel, oh, this, this, ain't, this ain't going right. Well, the same thing happened to Joseph. Because he was hated, what happened to him? Because he was hated, the Bible says that his brothers sold him into slavery, right? The Bible declares that a band of Ishmaelites was coming through the land where they were uh, feeding and tending the flock. A band of Ishmaelites came through. They wanted to kill him, but they couldn't kill him. Reuben put a stop to that. Let's just throw him into the pit. And let's think about this before we, before we take him out. You know, the enemy would love to take you out. He can't because God has a plan for you. If he could have, he would have. If they could have taken out Joseph, they would have taken him out. And God used Reuben to stop the, the assault. They threw him in a pit. Let's figure out what we're going to do. The devil's just kind of up there like twilling some, down there trying to, tw- tw- up there, he ain't up there, he down, he, he's under our feet. Twilling some, what are we going to do with these Christians? What are we going to do with these believers? How are we going to silence them? Let's pass some laws. Let's pass laws about hate speech. Let's, let's just totally invert God's original intent. Let's make them mad through the laws. Let's make them mad through immorality. Let's just shove stuff in their face and just rub their nose in it. Let's just, let's anger them and upset them. Let's Let's just throw Joseph in a pit. Let's think about it for a moment. So they throw this man, the favored of his father, into a pit. Did Joseph stop being the favorite because he found himself in a pit because he was hated by his brothers? Always remember this, for every, every one person that loves you, there's going to be ten that hate you. Quit trying to get the approval of everybody around you because, listen, they're not thinking about you and they really don't care about you. And we spend all of our time trying to present an image that would be acceptable to people who could care less about you. Right? Mm. I am who I am by the grace of God. Watch me. Love me, like me, hate me. I don't care. I belong to him. And I can't spend my life trying to present an image that would be acceptable to the world and its system that is run by Satan. We're taking upon ourselves Christ's nature. We are a reflection of him. We want him to be formed in us. And if we truly allow Christ to be formed in us, then the people that we spend all of our time trying to impress in this life, if it is truly Christ that's being formed, the nature of God that's being formed, it doesn't matter how you dress, what neighborhood you live in, what kind of car you drive, how you present yourself, they're going to hate you anyway. Right? Why are they going to hate you? Because remember, 
It's God in you. Darkness cannot stand the light. We are that shining light, the city on a hill. He lives on the inside of us. So Joseph, he's favored by his daddy. He's hated by his brothers. And they threw him into a pit. You notice Joseph, he, he didn't care. He's kind of he's kind of proud. He knew his dad's favor. And he, he didn't care what he said. I had a dream. I'm going to blurt it out. Y'all going to bow down to me one day. <laughs> oh, really? Throw him in the pit. They throw him in the pit, and then, as I said, there's a band of Ishmaelites, so they're scheming a plan, they're conspiring for a story to give back to their, his daddy, Israel, uh, Jacob, and so they see a band of Ishmaelites. Now, this is very interesting, if you know anything about the Ishmaelites. Anybody know who Ishmael was? So Abraham... God chose first, right, out of the land of the Chaldeans. He chose him out of pagan worship, introduced himself to him, said, I'm going to start a covenant with you, but not just you, but your seed, your posterity. So Abraham was promised a seed that was going to be, that was going to be greater than the stars of the heavens and outnumber the sands of the seashore. I mean, he told him. He built him up. Abraham, I've chosen you. I've blessed you. I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'm going to curse those that curse you. You know the covenant. So Abraham was the first. God encounters this man, establishes a covenant with him. But Abraham and Sarah had a problem having a child. You remember the story. And so uh, Sarah says to Abraham, well, I can't produce for you. I'm old. I'm barren. Go into Hagar and have a child with her. And well, that's what he did. And who did he have with Hagar? Ishmael. And God came along and said, wait a minute. That's not the promised child. It's going to come from her, Sarah's womb. And so after Ishmael, uh, God brought forth the promise, and here come the promised seed, Isaac. But God, even though Ishmael was not the child of the promise, remember when Abraham and Sarah tried to banish him, wanted him killed? Sarah hated the child because he made fun of the promise. They sent him out to the desert, wanted him to die. God preserves him, sends an angel, takes him back to the camp because God had a plan for the Ishmaelites. Oh, God. Huh? So, a century later or so, here comes the sons of Ishmael being used in the plan of God. So even though Abraham made a mistake, God used his mistake to further his plan. Don't ever think that the mistakes that you make are the end of a thing. God has a way of making mistakes and a, a life of sin and pain a part of his plan. We heard a great testimony last week. Who would, who would want to live through that? Who would want to go through that? But standing up, giving that testimony and sharing, people relate. That's me. Can I find freedom? God spoke, speaking to me. People online talking about, I mean, just friends that don't even, people don't even, I heard that. that man, I wish they let them to give testimonies like that in our church. Right? But going through a thing, who would think? Hagar and her son, uh, Ishmael, 
man, Abraham, you made a mistake. That's not the promised child. But God used the mistake to further his plan. The Bible says in the book of Romans that chapter 8, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and those who are called according to his purpose. He said, all things will work together for good. Well, Abraham and Hagar and Ishmael obviously was not all things. That was just something. All things were coming. And so through a generation, Ishmael's family is growing and Ishmael's having children and they're, they're nomads. And, and uh, here's Jacob thrown in a pit, the favorite of his father. And here comes Ishmael's kin walking up right in the middle of God's plan. Don't you just love the Bible? So don't ever think for a moment that the things that you might experience or the things that you've gone through, the struggles that you face or, or the, 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 the fail that you had is everything. No, that's just something on its way to all things. And so you can't, you can't stop there. You can't get stuck there. You got to trust in the Lord. You got to let him touch you and heal you. And, and because... All things take time. Some things happen in a moment. But if some things are going to become all things, it's going to take some time. Don't get stuck where you're at. Don't get stuck in something. Well, I don't understand why I had to go through this. I'm sure Joseph is thinking, dear Lord, I'm daddy's favorite. Here my brothers hate me. All I'm doing is trying to obey God. I'm just trying to walk it out. I ain't do nothing except a little bit of pride bragging about. They throw him in the pit. Here comes the Ishmaelites and they take him over into Egypt. Well, you know the story when he gets to Egypt. The Bible now, now look here, he's a young man. He's a teenager. Don't ever think that you're too young or too old to be used by God. But sometimes young men, young women, they ain't ready for the all thing plan to unfold. You know, when we're younger, man, we, God, we want it. We want it now. Why is this taking so long? I'm 60 years old and still live. Okay, what? When? Huh? So as a young man, God, God wasn't done with him yet. God, he wasn't prepared yet. Sometimes we're not ready for what God has for us. Sometimes God's got to work some stuff out of us. David said, reveal unto me the hidden sins of my heart that I don't sin against you. You might have stuff stuck up in there. You don't even know it's in there. Until God allows the manipulation of your adversary to present you with a choice. Right? And then we'll find out if it's in there. Now, I tell people all the time, you know, I've been delivered from drugs. I've been delivered from, from sticking needles in my arm. I've been delivered from that addiction. Well, I can tell you all day long I've been delivered. But the true test of deliverance is if somebody puts me in a room by myself and there's, there's a bag of cocaine sitting on the table. Yeah. Then we're going to find out if you delivered or not. 
Did it, did it, did, uh, you, are you, yeah, no, you, you, you're talking deliverance, but you're surrounded by enforcement, which is okay. Sometimes you got, sometimes it takes time. You know, when I, when I got saved, I was, uh, I, I ran from that lifestyle and never put myself in a position because I wasn't ready. You can put me in a room of cocaine now, like call the cops, right? But six months after I got saved, I might've been like, <laughs> Mm. The taste, the memories. The, the flesh is a real thing, right? Powerful stuff. Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. So powerful. And only through the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the risen Savior, living big on the inside of you, and you're exercising your knowledge of God, and you're exercising the Holy Spirit's strength within your, within your life. And it just takes time. If you want to build a muscle, it's going to take a moment. It's going to take some work. So we're drawn. But Joseph, he wasn't quite ready yet, and, and they sold him into slavery. He's a young man. He goes into Potiphar's house. You know the story. He goes into Potiphar's house and he's doing a good job and he's learning the money system. All right? He becomes Potiphar's treasury. He, he becomes the, the master slave over the house of Potiphar. Well, what's really happening here? I don't know. Maybe, I mean, because I know that Joseph, God didn't show him that there was a famine coming. He didn't know the end story here. He's just, I'm, I'm in a pit. I got to deal with it. I'm, I'm sold into slavery. I got to, I, my daddy thinks I'm dead. Everybody thinks I'm dead. I'm off here in Egypt. My family's back in Canaan. Nobody even knows I'm alive. I just, I'm just trying to survive. What did he cling to? He clung to the God of his fathers. How many are on the Lord's side today? I mean, we got to do some clinging. We got to hold on to the promises of God like never before. You might feel like you're in a pit. Hold on to the promise. You might feel like you've been sold into slavery. You might, like, like, well, like uh, Mike said last week, God truly sat me down at the table of my enemies. You may feel like you've been sat at the table of my enemy. What do you do in those moments? A lot of the times the flesh will want to comply. The flesh will want to be relieved. The flesh will want to be comforted. But Joseph clung to the God of his fathers. And when Potiphar's wife accused him of rape, she gave him an opportunity not only to run the household and the treasury. By the way, he's learning the money system of Egypt. He's learning the commerce of Egypt, right? What's that all about? It's a preparation. Listen, people, we are being prepared. Come on. <laughs> yeah. We're a bride being prepared. God is making us ready to receive our husbandmen. Jesus is coming. Bible says that he's coming for a bride that doesn't have spot nor wrinkle nor any blemish. And God is working that out of us in these last days. And he's working it out of you. 
So he's here learning things about Egypt that he never knew. I mean, we just take it for granted. Okay, well, you know, Joseph lives in Canaan. Here's Egypt. So Canaan's run like, like Egypt. And commerce is the same way here as it is there. And, and, and the worship here is the same as the worship in Egypt. No, I mean, they're worshiping devils over there in Egypt. False gods, but they have a, a world system that's under the control of Satan. And God puts Joseph right in the middle of it. This is a world system that's run by Satan. And God put his chosen right in the middle of it. (laughs) Right? Do you see that? This isn't our home. Joseph came out of the promised land, goes into the world, has to, I'm getting ahead of myself. But he, he has to come out of Canaan, get sold into slavery. Adam got thrown out of the garden, sold into slavery, right? Thrown into a corrupted world system who the little G-O-D God of this world runs and rules, who is Satan, the old slewfoot. And now, now Joseph finds himself in the world, in the world system, no longer uh, hanging out as the favorite of his father with the coat of many colors. Now he's get, taken out of, that, uh, out of that realm and thrown into a brand new system for the purpose of God. And God uses the mistake of his great-granddaddy, Ishmael, to help get him there. So now he's in Potiphar's house, and here comes Potiphar's wife, and she thinks he's gorgeous, he's beautiful, and she tries to tempt him, and she sets him up. He refuses her advancements, and you know the story. She accused Joseph of rape. Listen, we are living in a land of the accuser of the brethren. Satan constantly accused Job day and night before God. He is accusing you. He is the accuser of the brethren. Don't think for a moment that there will not be accusation brought against you in the spirit and, and, and how the enemy will use people, right, to accuse you. But wait a minute. My life is hid with God in Christ, right? Anything outside of of the hiding place of God, any accusations, any fiery darts coming, any of those things that are coming, my life is hid with God. God's working it out. God's allowing me to go to the pit. He's allowing me to go to Potiphar's house. He's allowing me to be accused, but my life is still hid. I might be sitting at the table of my enemies, but he is still anointing my head. What is the purpose? God is working his plan. He's perfecting his church. Christ is being formed in us. So he, he, he gets kicked out of the promised land, gets thrown into a brand new system, and God wants him to learn it. 
He wants him to see what, how, how it operates. Why am I going through all this? You don't know yet, but God knows. Because everything that he saw in the dream ain't lining up right now. And everything that we might be seeing in scripture and, and the coming of the Lord and the, the promise of the millennial reign and, and, and whatever else we believe God's promise is for us in this life. It, it just, wait a minute, somebody, my life isn't, what's on, the in, what's on the outside ain't matching what's on the inside. Anybody ever been there? And so he has to go into the world. God has him there for a purpose. He's showing him the the system. And then he gets accused, the accuser of the brethren. And out of that accusation, what happens? He gets thrown into a prison. It gets worse. He's in the pit. Potiphar's house, respected servant. The accuser comes and he gets thrown into the prison for it. Listen. Main reason people want to accuse you is they want to keep you in prison. They want to keep you in the prison of your past. They want to keep you in the prison of your failure. Your failure. They want to keep you in the prison of your mind. They want to keep you in the and the the image an image that is binding, right? Make you feel less than who you are. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of God. I'm a saint. I'm an heir of Christ. I'm a peculiar person. I'm a chosen generation. I'm a royal priesthood. Oh, really? What about that? You think you're so hot and you're just, you're just holier than now. Yeah, what about that? Yeah, I saw what you did. Yeah, I seen where you went. <laughs> right? That accusation, trying to dethrone you, take you off of your seat in heavenly places and put you down into a prison of bondage and shame and contempt and condemnation. Hold you there. Well, they did it to Joseph and they threw him in prison. But what did he do? I don't care what you say. I don't care where you put me. I know in whom I have believed. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what your accusations that, that you might be saying. It might be true. But my life is still here with God in Christ. It might be true. But Jesus died for my sins. It might be true. But my righteousness is as filthy rags. It was before I got saved. It is right now after I'm saved. It is, it's, it's dirty. <laughs> Jesus is my righteousness. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm not in the righteousness of God in my deeds. I'm not in the, I'm not in the, I'm not the righteousness. I'm not right standing with God because of what I do. That's what righteousness means, right standing with God. I'm not righteous with God because I do good one day and I do bad one day. And today I'm righteous with, right with God. Today I did bad. Today I'm not righteous with God. Are you talking about, I mean, you want to talk about a life of yo-yo and confusion and, and, and satanic and fleshly manipulation. I'm not, the, I'm not right standing with God for anything that I've ever done. But I let Christ be formed in me and I, I, I push away and I grow and develop and work out my own salvation with God. Why do I do that? How do I do that? Because I desire that. I want that. 
So I practice that, but I'm not trying to gain righteousness through my behavior. Right? I'm already the righteousness of God in Christ. What I obtain through my behavior is character that I long for. The holiness that I strive, that, that I want to be next to. Uh, the, a, a deeper understanding of relationship because that's what I want. That's what I'm striving for. I realize that I'm stinking, dirty, rotten flesh. That's what Adam realized when he sinned against God. He went, wait a minute. I was celestial just a minute ago. I was running with the gods. I was hanging out with the seraphim and the cherubim. And I could travel the the stones of fire that led to God's house in Eden. He walked with me in the cool of the day. Right? Whoa, I was celestial. I was running with the gods. God's original intent, right? Oh, glory to God. We shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Coming today, we're running with the gods again, right? I don't mean just the God, you know, this this ain't Thor. He is the God, the only God, right? The celestial, the angelic, the Back to Eden's story when we were hanging out with the gods in a celestial form. The covering of God living in the paradise of Eden, co-laboring with God on assignment to multiply the earth into the image of Eden, naming the animals, taking dominion, walking with God. Woo! Angels at our disposal. And then when he fell, the celestial lifted off of him and he became terrestrial and he noticed he was naked. What, what did he notice? Oh my gosh, I'm not like them. Woo! This is a problem. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, he went from celestial to terrestrial and he found himself uncovered. Wait a minute. I'm not like them. I'm from the dirt. So they tried to cover their terrestrial. And God said, you're never going to cover your terrestrial with fig leaves. You're only going to cover your terrestrial with a sacrifice. And if you're ever going to leave the terrestrial and get back to the celestial, it's going to have to come through a sacrifice. Oh, hallelujah. That's That's why we don't walk around naked like all the animals in the animal kingdom. We're covering our terrestrial because we're under a conviction and a recognition that we are terrestrial, not celestial. The only celestial is hidden inside of our terrestrial. Right? So we cover it. We're not like, we, we, we're unholy when we know it, so we got to cover it. 
Huh? I don't even know how I got there. What was I talking about? Does this make sense to anybody? There's coming a day, though, when we're going to get our celestial back. And this was the lie of the enemy. You're going to get, you're going to be, it's so funny. Satan tells Adam and Eve, if you eat of that, you're going to become like God. No, if you eat of that, you're going to lose all the God that you have. The lie actually did the total reverse of what he claimed. So they lost their godlike nature. They lost their celestial. They lost their ability to hang out with the Holy One. And Satan says, I know a way we can get back there again. <laughs> I, I know how we, there's, a, there's some knowledge that can get us to, to, to celestial again. Liar, liar, pants on fire, but they ain't quit. They're still trying to work it out. How can we amalgamate silicon and, 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 and graphite and, and how, how can we take the ghost that lives in the machine and put it into something that doesn't die? That's it. It's all they're trying to do. What are they trying to do? We want out of this terrestrial, corrupt, fallen body too. Satan says, well, I can get you there. And when are they trying? They're so trying. They're so trying. They're fools. Thinking they're thinking they wise, they become fools. Only a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And man says, oh, we can get there. No, you, 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 do you know the progress of man becoming celestial and learning all of this uh, knowledge that will fail isn't coming from man, it's coming from a celestial being, Satan, the fallen one. Woo! Hallelujah. So anyway, I'm almost done. Joseph, it ain't about your righteousness. It's about the righteousness of God. We are down here. We are in the pit. We are being accused. We're, we're in the prison. We're, in, we're on a prison planet. And, and we're, we're watching Satan's social engineering take place. We're watching his image of the world start unfolding all around us. We're looking at how he's socially engineering his plan for humanity and how perverted it is and how distorted it is and how inverted it is. Totally upside down world because what we knew is right he is convincing us it was wrong and what we knew is wrong he's convincing us now it's right yeah this is how we do it we invert what is that that's his plan for humanity that's what he wants but god takes some people out of the promised land, puts them in the world system. Because there's some people in this world <laughs> that God wants on the train. God wants on board. 
There's something, there's, there was something in the world that God still wants to preserve. Joseph has to go through the pit, the, pal, the, the, the Potiphar's house. Now he's in the prison. The accusations threw him in prison. And don't you allow people's accusations to bind you up. Don't forget who you are. Just because you got thrown into prison because of someone's accusing you. Or if someone's accusing you, right, wrong, or indifferent. You can't forget who you are because you're still the righteousness of God in Christ. Because of Christ. Right? Now he's in prison. So what the heck is going on in prison? Why is he in prison now? And God's, he's still a dreamer. He's still his father's favorite. He's in a foreign land. He's in a system he does not know. He's in a system that's foreign to him. He's in a system he'd rather just, I don't need to, I don't want to be here. They're worshiping pagan gods or false gods. They're satanic. They, they, they offer children they, to, to Satan. They, I mean, they worship some man. They, they're building a kingdom. And look around, man, I, I ain't part of this. this. This ain't my home. Satan building a kingdom all around you. And I don't know if you're a true born-again child of God. You just kind of look at it every day, and every day gets more and more understanding and revelation. I ain't a part of this. This ain't my home. I'm in it, the world. But I am not of it. And the older you get, the more you realize it. Man, if you can learn that at a young age, I'm telling you, you are going to excel far above your brethren. If you can see the bigger plan of God, and if you can jump to the all thing while you're going through something and get a revelation and understanding that God's working his bigger plan, Oh, man, you're going to be head and shoulders above your brethren. I mean, you're going to be, and they'll hate you for it. Right? So now in prison, what's he doing? He's learning more about Egypt and the world. Now he's learning it not from Potiphar's palace. Now he's learning it from the prison point of view. He was learning it from the lords and the princes. Now he's learning it from the paupers and the prisoners. How do these people think? Where's the, where's the bad parts of Egypt? What's the corruption of Egypt? What's, what's the system like? How does it, how does it all, boy, man, God, wait a minute, this, this don't look like This don't look like my dream. No, you learning. Because your dream's going to manifest here in a few years. But in order for you to succeed after I elevate you and you don't know any of this, you're going to get exposed. Aren't you glad God deals with you behind the scenes where nobody sees yet? I mean, I know I am. Thank you, Lord. You're working out my salvation within me, and everything I do wrong is not on the front page news. 
And everything that I do right is not on the front page news. And if everything you do right gets on the front page news and you ain't ready yet, and then you do one thing wrong, oh, Lord, have mercy. The higher you were elevated, the faster they're going to come chopping you down. They'll celebrate you up here and they'll act like they love you because they got a motivation. They want to get to where you are and they think you can help. But when you fall, they can't wait to tear you down and throw you down as a rung on the ladder so they can step up a little bit higher. Welcome to the system. So God getting all the Stuff out of Joseph, young man, teenager now. He's in his 20s, and he's in prison, and he's learning. He's figuring out. He's dealing with his life. He's dealing with his emotions. He's dealing with his flesh. He's learning about the, 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 the world system and what's going on here. Why? Because God is getting ready to use him and elevate him in the world. Why? So that God woo, can be known. So that God, his God can be recognized. His God can be known. That his God is the God of all gods. Right? Whoa. Coming today soon and very soon. I know we're in the prison right now. But it won't be long. God's going to elevate his church. Woo! Maybe it'd be a rapture. I don't know. But even if not, no matter how long we got to stay on the prison planet, no matter what God allows us to go through, we are still his favorite. We're learning the system. We're growing in Christ. We're gaining an understanding. What, what was the tree? The knowledge of good and evil. God wants us to know something. He doesn't just want us to know all the good. And good would not be good until we can see the, the depths of the depravity and the strength of evil and its darkness. The, the more evil things gets, the more greater good becomes. Right? Unless you like evil. People that embrace evil are embracing the hope of and the pleasures of the terrestrial. And the stupidity of that, I've never figured out because anyone with half a brain knows it's temporary. That's the power of deception. Oh, glory to God. <laughs> Woo! So now he's in there, he's learning the world, he's learning the system, God's working out his plan, he's still got this dream over here when he was a 17-year-old teenager, his, his, his daddy still thinks he's dead, his brothers are still back here lying about him, covering up, conspiring, covering up their sin, covering up their conspiracy, covering it up, and thinking they're getting away with it. They don't have to deal with the dreamer anymore. Now we can go in proper succession. Reuben can be the head, can get the, get the lineage of his dad. Reuben's the oldest. Now we can, the wife of his lover, his little runt, get him out of the picture. We want the... Mm. 
and they hiding it, conspiring, thinking they got away with it. Ain't that like Satan? We got we got God's people in prison. We got them all locked up. We got them hid over here. And they're just conspiring. They're doing everything they can do to cover up that God's people are still alive. That God's people still exist. That there's still a God in heaven. There's, he still has a people that walk in his spirit and in his love, his power. Let's just hide it. His dad's probably still mourning his favorite son. But know this, there ain't nothing done in darkness that shall not be sanitized by the light. And it came in a way that his brothers, you know, I mean, God now, he allows this famine. He allows the famine of the land. Oh, now the conspiracy of his brothers is, is starting to, they're forgetting about the conspiracy because now they're getting hungry. And Joseph is over here being prepared to be elevated. Now he's got the knowledge of the treasury. He's got the knowledge of the social system. He's got it all down. God's revealed it to him. It cost him something, though. It cost him the favor of his daddy. It cost him being close to his father. Right? But he's still his father's son. It cost him that the, the, the tangible evidence of favor. We're separated from the father. It may look like there's no tangible evidence of favor. And we still feel like we're in the prison. And the people that's done this to us are over here just living it up. He's still daddy. We're still favored. And we still have a dream. He's still daddy. We're still favored. And we still have a dream. The hope. Well, I'll finish this. I know I'm getting long in the tooth here. You know what happens. He has another dream in the prison. Pharaoh's freaking out. He has an issue. He's having some problems in his, in his staff. So he throws the baker and the butler in prison. He's hacked off. They get thrown in prison. Joseph has another dream about the baker and the butler and tells him exactly what's going to happen. And he said, when you get back to Pharaoh, don't forget that I told you this dream. You're going to be released. One of you is going to die. The other one's going to be exalted back to position. Happened exactly like he said. But guess what the butler did? He forgot to tell Pharaoh. Until the Pharaoh had a dream that he was being badgered with night after night after night. Bring me in the soothsayers. Bring me in the interpreters. Tell me what this dream is. Tell me what's going on. None of them could tell him. None of them could explain it. And then the butler has an epiphany. I know a guy. He in the prison. He's an interpreter of dreams. Go get him. 
comes. He grabs him up. He goes to the Pharaoh. Pharaoh don't tell him his dream to interpret it. He told Pharaoh the dream. There'd be a difference, right? <laughs> I don't want you to interpret my dream. If you're of God, tell me what I dreamed. Prophet. Prophet liar. You don't know nothing. Well, anyway, don't want to go there today. Oh, uh, tells him his dream. There's going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine, and this is what's going to happen. And here's how we can preserve. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to double up during famine. We're going to build silos. I'm going to engineer it because God showed me how to engineer these silos. We're going to preserve it. And there's going to be seven years of famine, but we're going to have enough food to get through the seven years of famine because we got seven years of plenty first, and we're going to, we're not going to squander it. We're going to make ready. God elevated him to the prime minister of Egypt. I mean, just, just like that. I mean, just like that. And there he is, elevated, and there's seven years of plenty. The boys are still over here living it up. Everything's good. The, conspire, the conspiracy and the plan has worked. Not knowing for seven years, Joseph is over here walking as a prince in the world. Elevated in the world. Preparing for famine. Yeah. Live it up now. They're coming today. Don't envy the wealth of the wicked. Why do, why, they're wicked. Why does God allow that? Famine comes. Joseph's brothers come to Egypt because now they're hungry. They're hungry in the promised land. Come on over to Joseph. Joseph is there. They don't recognize him. He recognizes them. And they're thinking, oh, my gosh. There's a whole lot more to the story. It's a great story, but for time. Oh, my goodness. He recognizes them. He sets them up, sends them back, keeps Benjamin with him. And the whole story, to eventually bring back daddy. And the brothers realize, oh, my gosh. That's Joseph. The one we wanted dead. The one we wanted out of the picture. <sighs> oh, ain't that life? There's coming a day where the people that wanted you dead, <laughs> the people that hated you for the God you served, yeah. They think you're still in prison, but it ain't always going to be like this. They come back. Joseph looks at him, calls him out. And they think that he's going to kill them. But there's something about a man of God. There's something about a woman of God. For those 10 years of pain and trial and 
prison and accusation and forgot about and just dealing with it. Something you need to notice here. While he was going through a thing, he wasn't drawing his energy from hatred. Somebody does you wrong, somebody accuses you, somebody tries to bind you up, somebody tries to somebody takes something from you. You're either going to get your energy from hatred or you're going to get your deliverance through love and forgiveness. He wasn't holding on in the pit and he wasn't holding on in Potiphar's house and he wasn't holding on to the prison because he was holding on to hate. He was holding on to God. If you hold on to hate, you will thwart the plan of God in your life. And I don't care what they did. And Joseph stands up there and I'm closing. He looks at him. And they're looking at him. And they're thinking they're about to die. And Joseph said very, very simply, man, if we could ever get this as believers. What you guys meant for evil. God meant for good. If you could just take a moment and realize your accusers, those that don't like you, those that would rather do away with you, those that reject you, if you could just stop for a moment in that pain and realize, "Mm, I know They're meaning that for evil right now. But I also know God is meaning it for my good. Oh, how sweet life can become in the midst of pain, in the midst of trial, in the midst of rejection. Because no matter the evil that they're doing, If you understand some things one day will become all things. If you know it before you get there, you're meaning this for evil. But God's meaning this for my good. And Joseph standing up there. You meant it for evil. God meant it for my good. And what did he, what's Romans go back to? All things will work together for good. The the pit was not all things. That was something. Potiphar's house, that wasn't all things. That was just a little more water in the glass. Something. The prison, the accusations... That wasn't all things. That was something. And see, if you get stuck on all these somethings, 
You'll never get to all things yet. Because the revelation of the promise is in all things. Do you see this? Not these little some things. Pit, prison, accusation, pain. Yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. All things work together for good. Well, if it ain't together for good yet, it ain't all. You can take out one of two ways. There's another prison to come. Or in 24 hours, I'm going to be elevated to the palace. What determines that? Your readiness. You wasn't ready after the pit. You wasn't ready after Potiphar's accusation. You wasn't ready after a year, three years in prison. When you were forgotten by the butler, you weren't ready yet. So you still going through something? Yeah. As life as a whole, we're all going through something. And the all thing for the terrestrial becoming celestial won't be until we see him in the air. But it's coming. Put it on a micro level. Know that God is working his plan in your life and his purpose is unwinding in your life. And don't get stuck on something. Well, they left me. Well, I lost my job. Well, I went bankrupt. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, I just ain't. Yeah, there probably could be more of that to come. I, I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, that's something. But God will work it out for my good if I am called according to his purpose. Ah. Well, put your hands together if you love the Lord this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you today. I pray for every person in this place that may find themselves in a something moment. Their dream never was realized, or maybe they're on their way to a dream. Maybe what they thought was going to be never materialized, and now they're, they're a little older. But you're still working in us, Lord. God puts a spirit of endurance in us that enables us to outlast some things. I went through a seven-year period in my life where I felt like I was bound up in a prison, living a life of nothing but accusation and rejection. And at the same time, I'm raising a family, growing my children, loving my wife. But living in a foreign land and walking around and looking at the whispers of people in Walmart and this and that. And and in my heart, God, I just want out of this. Raising my children. Celebrating their life. Giving them a good high school experience. Giving them a good junior high experience. Giving them personally just dying on the inside. And God said to me, you will outlast this. 
until <laughs> what he was working in me was finished I will have to endure where's my coat where's my dream One seven weeks. One seven months. Wasn't two years. Wasn't four years. Seven years. And then God. <laughs> you did it. It's good. You can go. I'll give you the money to do it. Go. Go home. Go back to your family. Go bury your daddy. Go bury your father-in-law. Go love your mama. Seven years. And then, a couple years ago, there was a tornado that went through the town that I had to walk through, that I had to endure seven years, people that, that hated me, that they were so vengeful. My oldest son going to play his senior year high school football. They hired an attorney to go to the Kentucky Association of High School Athletics to stop him from being allowed to play high school football. He's a kid. That type of hate, vengefulness. And I could go through more, but I won't. They had a tornado a couple years ago a town that I wanted to leave for seven years and and people every day I had to forgive and I had to let it go and I had to... Town gets wiped out. I mean, wiped out. Still hasn't rebuilt. Tornado comes. Jennifer and I, we come to the church and we went to the community and we did it and gathered with my church friends that I have around the country. I don't know, raised, I don't know, I don't even know what it was. Twenty, thirty thousand dollars worth of goods. Packed up truckloads of supplies. Right? And drove them to a people that couldn't wait until we were gone. And handed out and prayed for and blessed and gave all things work together for good to them that love the Lord how do you know you're free can you give to your enemies can you love those that once hated you can you forgive the unforgivable doesn't happen overnight took me seven years for God to develop that kind of 
character, forgiveness, compassion, endurance, learning Him. And after seven years, you got all you need. Now you can go home. How do we know? A few years later, you had the love and the grace, the compassion, the forgiveness to go back and give. Walk it. Walk it out. Endure it. Because no matter what's going on here, God's doing something in us. Be of good courage. Everything's going to be all right. He's working it out. Father, we love you. We praise you. I pray for every person in this place today that your blessed Holy Spirit would just minister to them and whatever thing that they're going through, Father God, and whatever challenge that they're facing, Lord God, I just pray, Father God, you are working your plan out in your, their life and these some things will become all things and when they become all things, forgiveness flows, love flows, charity flows. The nature of God is manifested. The love of God is manifested. The grace of God is manifested in those who walk in the all things of God. So I pray, Father God, your help, your mercy, your grace. Let your spirit rise big within us in the mighty name of Jesus. We worship you, we praise you, we glorify you. Just think on him for just a moment. If you're going through something, let the Holy Spirit just minister to you for a moment. It's going to be all right. You got to walk through something. Walk on, child of God. Christ is in you. You got to endure something. Endure, man of God, woman of God. God is working it out in you. You're in the pit. Don't worry about it. It's something. God's got you. The promise is assured. Heaven is assured. Celestial is assured. And a moment in a twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. Our eternal hope, our eternal promise, it is secured. Don't give up. I put my faith in Jesus. We worship you, Father. We magnify your name. And firm foundation. Let me down. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Is your faithfulness to me? Yes, Lord. Great is your faithfulness to me. Yes, Lord. Praise your name. Lord, great is your faithfulness to Let's pray this together, if you would. Just say, Heavenly Father. Just tell him, Heavenly Father, I am your favorite. I'm your child. No matter where I find myself, I know I'm your favorite. If I'm going through something now, you're working it out for my good. And I trust you in it. You're going to make a way for me. No matter what brings the coming days bring, I'm going to trust you. Put your hope and confidence in you. In the mighty name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Put your hands together if you love him today. Hallelujah. Come on, give him a big ovation right there. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen.